Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, hey, good morning. Welcome to College Football Saturday. Welcome to Respect My Decision. We're getting on up there, episode seven. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Uh, we are at week 10 of the college football season. The Pac-12 is joining the party this week. Looking forward to that. We've got coffee football this morning uh, with Arizona State taking on Southern Cal on Fox at 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, the rest of the slate pretty darn good we've got ranked michigan ranked indiana 11 o'clock uh, we've got a ranked smu taking on temple um interesting one here i think uh the wrong you know normally you'd say the wrong team is favored but this one the wrong team uh not that virginia tech needs to be ranked but uh liberty is a top 25 team technically traveling to blacksburg i like the Hokies in that one uh, texas in a weird one against west virginia um, working on down the list, obviously the big one at two thirty. CBS number eight, Florida, number five, Georgia. I like the Gators in that one. Um, and then you've got uh top 10 Cincinnati hosting Houston. Uh, you've got obviously the nightcap, the one that everyone's looking forward to number one, Clemson taking on number four, Notre Dame in South Bend. College game day is there right now. Um, that game is on NBC. Should be interesting. Is Notre Dame for real? Are they a top five team? Is uh, DJ Ungulalele uh, going to be able to uh, get a road win for Clemson after narrowly escaping Boston College last week? <clears throat> um, one of the games that I'm looking forward to the most, <laughs> outside of Stanford at Oregon because it's Pac-12 and I love some Pac-12. It's not technically after dark. It's pretty early. But uh, number 12, Oregon, Mario Cristobal and the Ducks getting the season going. But I'm looking forward to South Alabama at Coastal Carolina. The Shants are still undefeated. Top 15. Looking forward to that one. That one's at 7 on ESPNU. Uh, I'm excited uh, for that one. Around the SEC, you've got number 7, Texas A&M, traveling to South Carolina. Could be a little squirrely there. I think the uh, I think the Aggies can pull it out, but um, Will Muschamp and uh, the Gamecocks are going to play good defense, and Jimbo tends to lose a weird one every single year. Uh, could this be it? Um, but that's uh, the ones that stick out to me today for uh, the slate. Uh, as far as the recruiting news, uh, let's take a look at uh, some team rankings right now. 
we can talk through some uh, some storylines, talk through some uh, recruiting classes as we wait on our guest uh, joining us here shortly. Um, right now, I don't think it's uh, to anyone's surprise. Alabama is still number one in the country. Um, Ohio State at number two. Uh, we'll, we'll stop there and kind of talk a little bit about the Buckeyes. Uh, number two right now, um, they could be uh, at some point potentially leapfrogging Alabama for that number one spot. Um, for those that are familiar with the uh, Buckeyes recruiting, uh, they are surging right now for a couple big-time prospects. Uh, 2022 uh, quarterback, and I should say they'll leapfrog Alabama, but uh, this is a 2022 prospect, so not leaping them in this class, but Quinn Ewers, uh, the pro-style quarterback out of South Lake Carroll, was committed to Texas, decommitted. Um, he is a five-star and a really good one. Uh, <laughs> something that is is wild to to think about with with Texas and you know what's Tom Herman going to do uh, with I. I is the shine off of him now? Like the, that's the question is, is, is he going to be able to, to win enough to make people happy in Austin? Because I think a lot of people there are, are, are mostly thinking, you know, we would honestly prefer to uh, win the big 12 every year, compete for national titles, yada, yada, yada. They're not doing that. The The whole landscape has completely changed and it's just a way to, it's putting a ton of pressure on Herman and his staff. And I just don't know if, if it's a realistic expectation anymore. I mean, we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Ryan Nanny when he was on about how sometimes elite programs just aren't elite programs anymore. I think that's kind of what you're dealing with, with Texas, with the Longhorns. I, I'm not saying they're bad. They're just, they're just not there anymore. I think Tom Herman's a good coach. I just don't think he's an elite coach. And, you know, there's, there's just – we talked about it on that episode. You know, you've got Texas A&M now competing for the same recruits. You've got Baylor competing for the same recruits. Dave Aranda, young staff there. They're, uh, they're going to be heavily involved in the state of Texas. But then, on top of that, you've got everybody else that recruits Texas. So – this isn't some – it's not like it used to be with Texas when Mac Brown was there and they could just kind of, you know, throw that white helmet on the table and point to the horns, and, and that was that. Uh, it's not like that anymore. And uh, I think it's it's been a huge effect on their recruiting. And you can see, as, I'm, as I discussed here a second ago, with, with, with Quinn Ewers, who's from Texas, from a Dallas suburb, um, you know, decommitted, and right now it seems that all signs are pointing to Ohio State and Ryan Day. Um, probably, if not around the same time, but could potentially be uh, joining yours um, in Columbus would be uh, a five-star receiver, Caleb Burton. So um, two guys that are five-star players, top ten players, have offers from everybody, and uh, – both from Texas, and they're both looking at schools not named Texas. It's a big storyline. I think that that's something that uh, 
folks need to keep an eye on. I, I don't think Tom Herman is going to get fired. I, I don't, uh, barring losing out and something terrible happening, but I think he's going to have another year to, to kind of reassess and see what he can see what he can do because I just, it, it's such a strange, it's a strange job. And it, I've talked to, I talked to folks before about it where I, I don't know if I'd want that job. Ton of pressure. Um, the expectations are, I think, too high, and it's just something that is – that's a difficult atmosphere to go in as a coach where you're just automatically expected to win double-digit games, win a conference championship, you know, essentially immediately. That's a, that's a lot to ask, and – it's uh I mean right now if I'm if I'm looking at the recruiting rankings, uh Texas is still eighteenth in the country right now in recruiting, which is not bad at all. They still recruit at a high level. Um right now I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, four stars. And all of them except three are from the state of Texas. So there are enough players in the state of Texas. Uh, state is big enough. Um, they're going to be able to get some dudes. They're not going to struggle too much in that department, in my opinion. Um, and they can still recruit nationally a little bit, but you know, how's that going to change when you're only winning seven or eight there? Uh, you know, is the network going to stay consistently happy? winning seven or eight games, not beating OU, maybe losing to Baylor, losing to Texas Tech. You know, just they've struggled. I believe they are one and four against West Virginia. Um, that's that's not going to get it done. Uh, one and four in the last – I think it was uh, in home games. One and four – uh, at home against West Virginia, which is wild that the road team has been uh, been that successful. But yeah, it's it's a strange it's a strange thing to think about that Texas can somewhat struggle as much as they have, and they're still twenty second in the country right now. They're four and two, but they're fourth in the Big Twelve, um, losing back to back to TCU and Oklahoma. Not a good look. Um, they want to shoot out against Texas Tech, and the Red Raiders had a shot to win in that game. Um, and then won a weird game against Baylor, and then a big road victory against Oklahoma State. Still kind of think Oklahoma State was was not for real, but still got a win. So that's, that's huge to get a road win against a ranked opponent in conference. So uh, it's going to be something to watch. As we move farther down the list, uh, I mentioned the Ducks getting their season started tonight. Oregon third in the rivals team rankings right now. Um, Ty Thompson leads the way for them, the quarterback out of Gilbert, Arizona. Saw him in person at the Elite 11. Phenomenal, phenomenal looking quarterback. Um, you've got Troy Franklin, a kid from from California, a uh, wide receiver. You've got an athlete out of, out of New York in Seven McGee. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Oregon's recruiting at an extremely high level right now. It's something uh, it's been impressive, and you have to uh, tip your cap to what Mario Cristobal and his staff have done. Um, 
LSU right there below them at four. Southern Cal, surprising a lot of people at number five. Uh, I thought uh, Clay Helton was was looking like he was on his way out, but uh, obviously righted the ship and then, uh, you know, and then some with, uh, with some excellent recruiting. They are uh, sitting at 16 four stars right now, which is just last time I checked pretty good. Um, but we're going to bring my guest in uh, at this time. Uh, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk plenty of recruiting, uh, but we're also going to talk a lot of college football and just kind of uh, what is going on right now in the world of college football. So, without further ado, bringing in my good buddy Brian Scott Rippy of the Ole Miss Spirit. Brian Scott Rippy, good morning. It's it's been a minute since we've chatted. I know. What's up, man? How are you? I, you know, just uh, you know, trying to make it in a world uh, that is uh, continuing to. Uh, Surprise me at every turn, but, but it's good. So it's, uh, you know, it's week 10. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts first uh, on how you think this week shakes out in some of these big games. I touched on the schedule at the top of the show, but just kind of what is, what, what are your thoughts on this week, this week's slate? It's kind of interesting. I mean, from an SEC perspective, I guess it's pretty light, right? You've got four games and uh, what does that put? Six teams on a bye week. I'm not a math guy with Ole Miss, but um, outside of that, it's it's pretty it's pretty solid. Like I'm interested in Notre Dame, Clemson. Obviously, Georgia, Florida is kind of the uh, the marquee game in SEC country. I just think strange year. Florida's defense aside, if you're mulling and you're catching Georgia in a transition year, you know, quarterback wise, like if you're not going to beat them now, when is this going to happen? You've got a senior quarterback with all kinds of talent offensively. Like, it feels like a really important game for Florida. I'm fascinated for that one for a number of different reasons. I'm interested in uh, Vanderbilt, or I should say totally different reasons. I'm interested in Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. You know, there's a 19-point line on that game, and not to completely be facetious, but can State score 19? Yeah, I mean, that's something that I I think this is the game that Mike Leach really gets after it and tries to score a lot of points to kind of – See, I told you this offense would work in this conference. Um, and that this might be one of the worst Vanderbilt teams I've ever seen. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're rough. And like it's it's funny, I had a Vanderbilt guy on, I guess, last week to talk just that game through that game or whatever. And I guess like them as I mean, you would know way better than I would from a recruiting standpoint, like them fully constructed, they can put a pretty competitive defense on the field, but they just have no depth. And when they start losing guys to COVID and injury it just goes completely by the wayside and the secondaries crush them, which is a tough matchup for Ole Miss and presumably a tough matchup for state. But to your point, like I, I agree. I think he's going to go with that same mindset, but man, if he, I mean, he should be able to do that, right? Like he should be able to put 35 pretty effortlessly on this Vanderbilt defense. But like the flip side of that, if he does it, then like not to make two like over overarching or sweeping assumptions, you know, in a weird year in his first year, but if you can't manufacture points on that defense, how is this going to work? Yeah, and and I if I, I had pause for maybe five seconds, and then I was like, no, it's not going to matter because I don't know if KJ Costello is going to play, um, but I think Will Rogers should be good enough to score. Because um, at first, you know, okay, if Costello's out, like, can a true freshman do it? But man, Vanderbilt is just so bad. And yeah, I mean, you you've got plenty of talent. Um, the, Colin Hill's not playing, but they still should be able to run the ball a little bit to mix it up and help him out. But 
yeah, I mean, that's – if you can't score 28 at least, get in the 30s comfortably against Vanderbilt, I just – you know, you, you, talking about Mississippi State, you know, when you play against Ole Miss, a team that scores a lot, if you, if you can't keep pace and score against Vanderbilt, like there's no way you're going to do it barring a turnover disaster, right? Yeah, I mean, that one game they did win, right, early on, they kind of torched a really bad LSU defense and were, I think, plus four in the turnover margin or something like that. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, look, this may be their only chance. I don't know if Leach is going to work in the long run. I I think, honestly, games like today are pretty decent evidence and pretty decent gauges because if you can't do it against the bottom tier of the league, then you're not going to last no matter what you kind of have on the field. But – yeah, I mean, it, they, they were plus four in the turnover battle in that LSU game, and ever since it's been kind of a struggle. I think the today is their last shot to win a game. Um, you know, you get to the end of the year, Ole Miss's defense isn't great. Maybe they figured some stuff out. But, I mean, if, if they don't stomp Vanderbilt today, I don't really see how they're winning another game the rest of the season. I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed. Uh, if we, if we want to take a gander here at the schedule – uh, you've got Vanderbilt, then you have ranked Auburn at home, at Georgia, at Ole Miss, and then at home against a Missouri team that's really not bad at all. Um, so right there, I think it's Vanderbilt and Ole Miss are probably the two that you can compete in. I guess you throw Missouri in there, but I mean, still, that's if they don't get one, if they don't get one right now, I mean, potentially staring. Two and eight, three and seven in the face. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably what makes this game so fascinating because, like, it's it's going to be an ugly watch. But just like, how does like can Leach kind of not turn a corner because it is Vanderbilt, but can he kind of kind of finally put some competence, I guess, on tape because they haven't done that since the first week of the season, and that would be kind of an outlier. Yeah, um, you mentioned Clemson Notre Dame. Looking forward to that one. I'm interested to see how good Notre Dame is. Uh, we know Clemson's got a really good defense. We know about all the talent they have. DJ Ungla Lele, I, I want to see him on the road against a top five team. Um, I tend to lean Clemson here just because I I don't think Notre Dame's explo- as explosive enough to compete. Or I should say explosive enough to compete. Um, yeah, I mean, Ian Book, I think, is a, is a good quarterback. But if – if DJ and that offense get going, I just don't know if the Irish can keep pace. I agree. And I think last year, last week, you know, losing Trevor Lawrence midweek with COVID and all that, it took them a while to kind of get squared away against a frisky Boston college team, but it looked like they kind of found something in the second half offensively. Um, but Boston college did kind of try to give that one away, but I'm, I tend to lean in the same boat. I think Clemson is more explosive. I think they probably pulled this game out, but, and can we keep Notre Dame in the ACC? I don't really know. They're probably yeah. not going to go for that. But, you know, particularly the last couple of years, now you got Miami a little bit on the up and up. But you don't really get any, like, you know, headline matchups against Clemson in the ACC anymore. Like, I would like to see this every year, but that's just me. I think – well, I mean, it's, it's always been just stupid to me that Notre Dame competes in the ACC and other sports, but not football. Like get like, come on, get over yourself. It stop stop with that independent, like, oh no, 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 like we're we're Notre Dame, like we we don't need a conference, we'll do our own scheduling, but no, just just join the ACC and everything and just yeah, it, it's better, it's better games. 
it helps them if they want to compete for the college football playoff. Like it helps you rather than having to do your own schedule and playing all the service academies. And then that doesn't really prepare you for a game against Clemson or a game against Georgia. You're not playing good teams week in, week out. I think it's a no-brainer for them to join the ACC. And there's probably less of a chance of catching just kind of a crap schedule, right? Because a couple of those years, particularly that first year they made the playoff, it was kind of like, who did they play? Because you're rolling through, you know, you get the USC game and Stanford most years, Michigan some years, but you catch two of those three teams down and your, your resume is pretty toothless. And I feel like there's just a less of a chance of that happening if you join the ACC. And they've already kind of done it with the weird, however many ACC games they play a year in a normal year, like just put two feet in the boat, like make this, Make this simpler. Yeah. So we talk a little recruiting here. I, I want to throw a hypothetical at you. Um, not sure. This isn't me hinting at it happening. I don't know. As far as I know, I don't think it is. Um, I've discussed this topic before with some folks, but I want to get your thoughts. How big of a of a change, or how 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 much does it affect? this 2021 class if due to COVID um, there's no early signing period? How do you think that that affects this entire cycle? Just initial, like ha- not having put a ton of thought into it, my initial impressions just kind of thinking about it now is wouldn't this kind of, I don't even know how to start this. Cause like I, my initial impression is wouldn't it kind of help Kiffin and the staff and maybe give them a little bit more time, but, I mean, is there any evidence that all this is going to be any better by February in terms of just like restrictions and what you can and can't do? So I guess like for particularly for new staffs that are kind of kind of behind the eight ball, maybe it helps a little because it buys you more time. But at the same time, it's not really a lot more time. And I guess really kind of getting to the bottom of it, programs that have you know established head coaches and continuity are really going to benefit over guys trying to kind of make their own footprint. I think. And I think you're going to see that really show in the numbers recruiting-wise this year. But in your mind, is it happening? Like, I just kind of assumed at this point an early signing period wasn't happening. Like, what is kind of the the uh, the scuttlebutt there? Well, so I haven't heard anything. Any, I have no one's told me anything concrete. But you know, the the two big All Star games are, have been canceled. Uh, Saw that the U.S. All American Bowl was canceled a couple of weeks ago. Under Armour announced their They've canceled their game this week. I I wouldn't say it's indicative of, of where they're leaning for the early signing period. I don't think that really affects it. I mean, I, the the thing that that my mind goes to first, and it could just be um, <clears throat> just a random thought that doesn't make any sense to anyone but me. But nobody signing early means that obviously more signing in February. I feel like the pool is much larger, and I feel like that somewhat benefits the bigger name programs with the larger network base. And like you said, staff with more continuity, you know, a a veteran staff um, and also limited spots. You know, it's not like, okay, we signed 15 in, in December, so we only have room for 12. So they're telling recruits that like, Hey, I know you're still mulling over, you know, us and, in Michigan and, and Clemson, but we only have 12 spots left. So you need to make a decision or we're going to move on. I think there's going to be a lot more of those difficult conversations being had with recruits, but also it's just going to be just an absolute free for all. 
because instead of saying, all right, there's 900 players that are available to sign, there's going to be, you know, 9,000 or, you know, whatever. But, you know, that's it's just something that I think is going to benefit the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the LSUs. And it's going to, you know, it's going to hurt, you know, the schools like Virginia Tech and, um, you know, Boston College or, you know, Texas Tech. Yeah, and that's a fascinating point you bring up because, like, so say you do have an early signing period and say they go ahead and go forward with it. If you're a blue chip kid where, like, you know, having a spot at a place is not an issue, do you wait this thing out until February or do you and kind of give it more time and kind of see where things stand with whatever schools you're interested in? Or do you go ahead and sign in December and just kind of, for the lack of a better word, you know, get this goat rodeo over with, like get off this circus, get off the ride, whatever, like you have a spot, let it be decided. It probably depends on what kind of kid you are. Cause the flip side of that too, is if you're a fringe kid, depending on what school you're interested in, you mentioned the tough conversations. Do we have a spot for you? That would make me think those type of kids might go ahead and leap at the opportunity. But if you're like a top tier blue chip kid, are you waiting this out? Or are you go ahead and ending the ending the circus? Yeah. And that's, that's another thing that's just, you know, a case by case basis with recruiting, you know, how, how, how are these kids handling it? Are they wanting to get it over with? Do they have an actual concrete timeline? Are they wanting to wait until their senior season is done? Playoffs are pretty much going on right now. Most places, um, most places that started somewhat on time are in the playoffs, but um, you know, so some, some kids senior seasons are, are ending. Um, are they wanting to just go ahead and get it over with? And then if they can enroll early, get enrolled, get started on their college career, blah, blah, blah. Or you have the flip side kid. that's taking his time. He hasn't really looked at recruiting at all because he's been focusing on his senior season. Um, and have they visited anywhere? Were you able to officially visit or unofficially visit before the shutdown? Were you able to take your own unofficial during the season? You know, maybe your high school team had a bye week. You, you drove up to, to Tallahassee or you, you know, you drove up to, to Athens or, um, you know, Chapel Hill, whatever. Are you, you know, are you able to do that? So, cause that's been the, the biggest thing in this cycle is there are kids that are you know, committing places. They've never been. And they've seen it on a zoom call, seen it on FaceTime. But I mean, that's, that's what this is. We've been using the word unprecedented since, since March. And it is kind of, you know, tongue in cheek at this point, not to laugh at the serious situation that is going on in this country, but it is really unprecedented. Uh, a 2021 recruiting cycle. It's, it's just wild. Not to imagine just being a college kid and like my, like me picking colleges was probably a little bit different than most just because I grew up in Mississippi and like Ole Miss was kind of probably where I was going the whole time. But, like, for most kids deciding a college, like, forget the athlete part of it. Can you imagine, like, you're from out of state and, like, never been to Ole Miss, but you're picking it, and then you just show up the first day and, like, that's the first time you've been to Oxford? Like, to your point, it's a very serious situation, but it's it's kind of wild to think about. Like, I can't imagine choosing a college without ever having been there. That would just be nuts to me. But some of them, to your point, are going to have to do it. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's where – Going against the grain here, you said a, a a staff with continuity. So, yeah, Nick Saban, pretty pretty uh pretty established name in the business. He's going to be just fine. But 
I think that a team like, you know, take take the first year guys in the SEC for for instance. I, I think Sam Pittman's uh, going to be okay. Seems to be a pretty charismatic, likable guy. Recruits seem to like him. I think he's kind of goofy, but some sometimes kids like that. He's got a young staff. I mean, uh, Kendall Bryles is a young dude. Recruits really well. And then you've got you know Lane Kiffin in Oxford. You know, very fun, charismatic. He you know he's he's silly on Twitter. People love that. Uh, very marketable. Most of his staff is pretty young, so I think that it can clearly be a benefit for bigger programs, bigger names, more established staffs. It they've been there, done that. Recruits know the deal there. But with a younger staff, you can't get them on campus. But if you're personable and you've got a good personality, I think that you can connect with kids that way as well. Because the long since I've been covering recruiting, and I think you would probably agree with this, Brian, more times than not, it's going to be the relationship with the coach that's going to win somebody over. Um, now, there are other extenuating circumstances and factors that are in there that we don't need to discuss. I think everybody knows what we're referring to, but a kid is going to go somewhere if he's happy there. It's like the transfer, like the rule of thumb for transferring kids that are happy. Don't transfer. You had the, the fallout where we were just talking about Ole Miss. You had the fallout with, with Matt Luke and that whole staff. Everybody thought there was going to be this mass exodus. There really wasn't. There was a couple that left. I mean, even after Hugh freeze, there were some kids that transferred. Sure. I think that for the most part, they were unhappy with what playing time, Maybe they didn't like Ole Miss as much as they thought. Maybe they didn't like the new staff. But more times than not, a, a, a student athlete that's enjoying his college experience is not leaving. So in this 2021 class, I feel like building and, and, and keeping a relationship with a recruit is, is what's going to ultimately be the deciding factor. And then in Shea Patterson's case, he was grossly misled. But I agree. <laughs> I agree. So it's, it, And that's an interesting point you raised. You talk about the first-year head coaches. You know, anyone you talk to, like recruiting wise, like they don't ever really put a ton of stock in like recruiting bumps you get like off a big win or a bad loss, like the week to week bump about how your program's doing. But it's kind of building off of your point and talking about Sam Pittman probably going to be fine. Like Lane Kiffin gives off pretty good energy. Team looks fun. Probably going to be okay. In this weird year where expectations are kind of taken with the grain of salt, do you think on field, like particularly for the younger staff and like the ones that haven't had a lot of continuity, do you think kind of on field trajectory and momentum, not week to week, but just overall in this 10 game season matters a little bit? Because if I'm a recruit, I'm watching on TV and you're watching, you know, state really, really struggle to score points and you got kids leaving and there's just, bad energy for the lack of a better phrase. Do you think that affects these kids decision at all versus well, Oh miss not very good, but they're kind of fun. They score a lot of points and particularly if you're a defender, you're going to play immediately. Like, do you think that kind of stuff matters when you're not getting to go to campus in particular? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's all you have to sell outside of selling yourself and, and you know, making some videos and talking. Uh, I think probably the, the thing that, that coaches are doing now is, Hey, when we play on Saturday, when you watch, keep an eye on, you know, number number four. Keep an eye on number 77. Keep an eye on zero. That's going to be what you we want you to do. So that's your recruiting pitch right there is watch your position that we're recruiting you for. See how we use them. And, you know, I, I think to wins and losses don't particularly matter too much to recruits. I don't think it really 
I don't think a recruit's like, well, damn, like this team went, you know, 10 and two, but this team went eight and four. This eight and four team, I don't like them as much anymore. I don't think they look at that, but you, you nailed it though with the trajectory and the, you know, what kind of momentum, what kind of feel for the game that these coaches have because I don't think it, it's, it's too outlandish to say that some recruits are rethinking some things with Mississippi State because you have Mike Leach, this guy that, that, you know, runs the air raid. He scored points everywhere he's ever been. And then he gets to, to Starkville, and, and they've struggled a little bit. Um, I don't think that every single recruit's going to decommit and they're not going to have any, any commits. But that's not going to happen. But, um, you know, talking to recruits around the Southeast throughout the season, they like seeing, you know, not, not just wins, but like you said, like they like to watch a fun game. And that Ole Miss-Alabama game was fun. And it was back and forth, a lot of points. It was exciting. Um, that's something that that gets recruits' attention. And it obviously got tons of people's attention that night because it was, I believe, the highest-rated college football game maybe close to ever. Um, certainly, like, in the last five years. But, um, you know, it was something wild. I think it was, like, 10 million people watched that game or something. Um, that's what recruits want to see. They want to see um, – you know, some kind of positive momentum, how they're being used. That's another thing. And when I, when I talk to recruits, a lot of, a lot of kids are saying how they fit in the system. You know, how am I going to fit in your offense? How am I going to fit on your defense? Where do I stand? Can I come on, on campus and make an impact in that first year? That's the big thing. Cause you know, the clock starts when you get on campus and, you know, this year there, you know, no eligibility. Um, no, no one's having to lose a year. So the depth chart kind of resets, but, you know, places like these first year, you know, Sam Pittman, Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, where they're coming in and, and trying to build their own brand, a lot of chances, a lot of opportunities to come in and play right away because for the most part, those three places, they don't have a ton of depth. What is the whole not losing a year of eligibility going to do to some kids and how is that going to like affect some kids recruiting wise? So, like, and I say that because, like, last night I was doing a high school game and the, the scoreboard operator was a big A&M fan. He was talking about Kellen Mond and not losing a year of eligibility. And he was like, I hope that guy doesn't come back. Like, what, I can forget what freshman quarterback Jimbo has back there. But, like, if you're – he had a point. Like, if you're A&M, you probably don't want him to come back. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I feel like there's probably going to be a little bit of that at some key skill positions in particular. And I just wonder how that affects recruiting – when you have a kid that's a senior that, you know, maybe you're, maybe he's super productive. Maybe it's the other side and you're ready to move on from him. I don't know. But like, how does that affect an 18 year old kind of coming in? If you got, if you know, maybe you're not going to play immediately because there's another guy that has another year in some cases too. Yeah, that's, that, that's a great question. Um, and it's honestly another one that's going to be a case by case thing where, um, how good did did they look on the field in 2020? Is it something to where they have no issue with leaving early for the NFL draft? Are they getting good feedback from scouts? Um, how do they like their, you know, their 2020 season? Did they, did they enjoy their time in college station or wherever? Um, do they, I mean, right now, Kellamon, you know, is, is having a good season. A&M is, it's having a good year. Does he think he can do better than that if he comes back? I mean, that's that's the the dice roll that you have to do. Like a lot of people keep talking about Elijah Moore at Ole Miss, and you know, is he going to come back because he's not getting 
you know, charged a year of eligibility. I mean, I, I think that would just be silly. I mean, he's on pace right now to, to break a ton of records at Ole Miss in just 10 games um, against all SEC competition, which is wild. So I don't know if his stock is ever going to be any higher. So that's where you have to make a decision. You know, can I improve my stock? Is it ever going to get any better than this? And some of it's probably how, like, what your position class looks like in the draft. Because say this had caught, like, say this more was a junior last year and we had this COVID situation. And let's just say everything's the same, except it's last year's cropper receivers. It probably makes him think a little bit more, uh, you know, about whether he can improve his stock and where he'll sit. Because last year's receiving class in the NFL draft, particularly on the top end, was was kind of ridiculous and really the year before that too. So like, it's probably a little bit of looking at, you know, who else is coming out and where your stock's going to be and how it's going to be affected on that. Cause there probably could be a couple of situations at some positions where a kid, he may not necessarily improve his stock, but he's looking at the draft class potentially next year. And it probably looks a hell of a lot weaker or something like that. And that could affect decision-making as well. Yeah, that's, that's a great point too. Cause and again, that's where, what are scouts telling you? What are, uh, what are coaches telling you? Cause coaches are going to talk to scouts. They're going to talk to NFL GMs. They're going to have the pro days where they have all the scouts, all the, all the dudes from the front office come in, take a look. Um, and they're going to give you some honest feedback. I mean, the NFL is a business and they want, uh, the best, they want to hire the best folks. So they're going to want to improve their league as, as good as they can. So, if they think Kellamon should go back to College Station for one more year, if they don't think that he's ready, if they don't think that uh, that he can make an impact at the at the next level in, in the you know in the first year or two, he's probably going to tell him that. Now he could say, "Okay, cool, screw you, I'm going to do what I want." That's that that's on him. But uh, but yeah, that's a that's an interesting wrinkle that has been thrown in uh, this cycle with uh, no eligibility being charged in 2020. So. Um, Last thing here, uh, Brian, I, I do want to uh, make sure that uh, that I let the folks know about this. Um, and and I know that I feel like you're you're on the same page as me with with uh, betting on college football. But um, Landry Football Network, respect my decision. All of our lovely podcasts are uh, sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the country. Uh, we have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. So, Brian, if you want to, uh, you don't even have to write this down. You can just listen closely here because it's very simple. So here's all you need to do. You go to the website, LandryFootball.com. You click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. And uh, you pick among the gaming sites that are legal in your state. So, DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, PointsBet, BetMGM, whatever is legal, sign up and you'll instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 to up to 1000 That's it. LandryFootball.com, click on the ad, pick your site, boom. That easy, that simple. Awesome. Can't beat that deal. No, I mean, no. So um, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad, pick your site, receive your special offer from American Betting Experts. It's simple. Uh, so don't forget to take advantage of that. We appreciate them sponsoring this show and the other lovely podcast as part of the Landry Football Network. All right, so Brian, I wanted to ask you who you're feeling this week. Um, I got a couple for today. I had Miami covering last night. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, 
I knew I shouldn't have counted on the Hurricanes. I didn't think that they were for real, but I just thought, ah, you know, I don't think NC State's that good. Obviously, much closer game. But uh, who are you? Uh, you, you got any uh, hot takes for today? I had no feel for this at all this week, but I'll go to – I feel like both of these are a little bit of sucker plays, but whatever, like take my money. Um, Vanderbilt, just because – I mean, it's 19, and like if, if – and State's defense has been pretty good. Vanderbilt hasn't been very good offensively. But if you're talking about Vanderbilt scores 10, that's – your State's going to have to get to 30. And I just – I don't know. I like that – like I like the way that frames up. Maybe it's just my dumb brain, but – so Vandy, and then I guess other one, I'll go Arkansas because I think even Tennessee coming off a of bye week's in a weird place, and I feel like that's probably where most people are going, which is a dangerous sign. But I just feel like that's a game Sam Pittman's going to win, and like Tennessee just feels right to lose that by ten. Wow. Okay. Um, I like Tennessee in that game. I just think they just have. I don't think Arkansas is there yet. I think Sam Pittman has done a a great job. They're much better than I thought they'd be. I think a little bit too much talent defensively for Tennessee. Um, I'll give you a freebie here. I think, uh, I think Florida gets it done this year. I like uh, it. You, uh, you said it earlier. If they don't do it this year, when are they going to ever do it? Georgia's kind of in a weird spot offensively. They don't really know who they are. Um, Stetson Bennett's not great. Uh, and I think that Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts and that offense way too much firepower to deal with now Georgia's defense is for real but they they can't score for them now I mean I guess technically they can but I don't know if they can score enough um because if Trask and Pitts and and and, and Tony uh Darius Tony get going I mean it's gonna be tough to stop um I think Florida finally gets it done this year and then um I really like North Carolina in that rivalry game minus 10 and a half against Duke Duke is awful um, and then if you want to get some big 10 action, if you want to, uh, fall asleep, uh, Iowa minus six and a half, I think, uh, Iowa can get it done. Kirk Ferentz entering his, uh, 57th season, uh, for the Hawkeyes. He's been there forever. Uh, One eight every, all 56 seasons. Yeah. I mean, the dude is, a <laughs> he gets it done every year. So I like the Hawkeyes there to cover. So UNC Hawkeyes and, uh, in Florida. So, um, but yeah, so anything else uh, jumping out to you on Saturday? Not really. I kind of let Tindalene Clemson with you as well, and I like the North Carolina play as well because Duke is awful. North Carolina is good. They're really good offensively. Uh, they have some genius named Phil Longo and his Chase Space philosophy. <laughs> Go ahead, but hey, it's worked for him up there. Props to him, but they're good. They're fun to watch. Um, but no, that that about covers it. it was a, I didn't have a great feel for it this week, and maybe that's why I'm on Vanderbilt and Arkansas. What a dangerous combo that is. So we'll uh, we'll see how this plays yeah. out. I'll say one more, another freebie. Uh, Oregon minus eleven against Stanford. I don't think eleven's very. Or, or I don't think Stanford's very good. I should say so. Eleven points seems like free money because Oregon's going to score a lot. They've got a ton of talent, and I don't think Stanford will be able to handle that. It is going to be weird. No fans. Zero fans that game. That is going to be strange. So I don't know the last time they played a game in Austin Stadium with zero fans, but um, the good news is it never rains at Austin Stadium, as they say. So, um, so that'll be good. All right. Uh, thanks to Brian for joining. Uh, Brian, if you want to real quick, uh, let the folks know where they can find you and where they can uh, catch your work at. 
Sure, uh, BS Rippy uh, on Twitter, and then at the Ole Miss Spirit. Got a couple of podcasts coming out this weekend. Cool basketball conversation with a buddy of mine that used to work on Andy Kennedy's staff later today. Coming out talking Ole Miss hoops, SEC basketball, what scheduling looks like, all that. But yeah, check it out. All right, that's Brian Scott Rippy of the Ole Miss Spirit. Don't forget, take advantage of our special offers from American betting experts. LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad in the upper right and uh, receive your deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 up to $1,000. So that's going to do it. Episode 7, Respect My Decision. Thanks to Brian for joining. Thanks to you all for tuning in. Uh, Until next week, enjoy football. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.